Well, as you know, if you've paid attention to the podcast at all, that we, we travel. We get out on the road, we go to visit family from coast to coast, right? South Carolina to Southern California. Both of them are SC, by the way. We do a ton of roller coaster running around the nation, and we've also spent time in our bus. And that's pretty cool. Traveling's been pretty important to us, but we're joined uh, by our friend Don Barkley today, who has written a book, and we would love to share what she's got from a professional's view, not just a couple of parents, on travel. Hey friends, this is the Finding Mikey podcast, our family's quest to prepare our son Mikey for life. I'm Mike, and from time to time I'll be joined by my wife Heather or other family members and others for interviews and conversations. Now, while I may mention our son, you have a Mikey of your own, and together we're on a journey to learn as much as we can so that we can understand how to best communicate and guide our kiddos into independent adulthood. Thanks for tuning in. So a little bit about Dawn. She's an award-winning author who spent 30 plus years uh, working with different aspects of the travel industry. She attended Tufts University and afterwards she worked in sales, like I do now, marketing and management for her parents' firms, Barclay Travel International, or excuse me, Limited, and Barclay International Group, short-term apartment rentals. So she knows a thing or two about the travel industry. Next, she branched out into travel trade reporting uh, with senior or contributing editor positions at Travel Agent Magazine, Travel Life, Travel Market Report, and most recently, Insider Travel Report. So we got a big hater here. She holds a degree in psychology and in marketing. She's a mother of two. She resides in New York scenic Hudson Valley. She also writes fiction as DM bar and holds leadership roles in several writer organizations. She is available for speaking engagements and delights in hearing from her readers like us. You can write to her at Don Barkley author at gmail.com if you would love to reach out to her, but welcome Don. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I think I've shared a good bit of your background, but I'd love to hear an expanded version on that. So what's your background like and what prompted you to write this particular book? I got to tell you, just listening to that intro, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I feel old and I'm tired. <laughs> and I didn't even cover half of what I've done, but that's fine. Why did I write the book? Quite honestly, because when I needed this book about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, it didn't exist. And I mm. needed it and I wanted it and I couldn't even write it then because the resources weren't available. And it's only recently when groups like IBCCEFs, which stands for the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards, created the Certified Aut Autism Travel Professional designation that I was able to have people to reach out to and speak to. And they introduced me to their clients who were, and a lot of them are parents of special needs children as well. So I was able to get much more of a handle of how to uh, research and write this book. So a certified, what was the certification again? Can it's you repeat that? It's a certified autism travel professional, C-A-T-P. These people, many of them are parents, I said, of special needs children themselves. They have taken an extensive set of classes to be able to handle the needs of a special needs community. And I have interviewed Wow, uh, at least 50 for the book. And I have uh, information in the back on how to get a hold of them and everyone else who holds the designation. That is really cool. I didn't know that was a, I didn't know that was a thing. That was actually really neat. What are some examples yeah. of the things that, I guess, qualifications or things that they may learn to do this? Because this actually might be interesting to, you know, members of our audience to be able to become certified in and pursue 
as a job or a career? Yeah, it's multi, multi-class designation, and they study what autism is and autism as it pertains to different modes of transportation. And uh, I think the number one takeaway that I got from everybody that I interviewed about this designation is they learned that all children are different and one size doesn't fit all. Mm. And I just wanted to say about your background with all the traveling you do, that you're the exception rather than the rule because they interviewed or they surveyed a thousand special needs parents and found that 93% of them did not travel, but said they would if the if they knew where to go and how to do it. So mm-hmm. congratulations to you guys. Oh, well, thank you very much. What I mean, yeah, we've put together resources. We've helped people before, but very specific, like, hey, you know, we talk about travel is a big industry and then traveling for people with disabilities and then traveling with people that are, you know, autistic. And then even there's a, a varying degree of autism, you know, expressed there as well. Like, I think we could put together a little <laughs> pamphlet on, hey, how to go ride roller coasters and travel with your neurodiverse kids. But that's yeah. about it. Well, I got to tell you that so much of it is preparation, as you probably know, and thinking Mm -hmm. through every aspect of the trip ahead of time and how you're going to handle it. And that's what I've tried to do in the book. Mm -hmm. I start with starting small and how you can begin to even think about travel and create a frame of reference for a child that needs predictability, since that's Mm -hmm. so crucial for people on the spectrum, uh, and how you're going to deal with the sensory issues that come up along the way. And so I go from there to talking about whether you want to go foreign or domestic and how you're going to handle airlines and how you're going to handle buses, trains, car rides, restaurants, accommodations, venues, roller coasters. There's a whole bunch of talk about theme parks, and many of them are now certified by that same organization as certified autism centers. They've taken specific training on how to work with members of um, the autistic community. And then there are other destinations and locations that I label as autism friendly. And with all of those, it's important for a reader to call before they go and make sure that what is offered is right for your child and also hasn't changed from when the book came out because these things are constantly changing. It's a mm-hmm. great jumping off point. When you mentioned, I think I just kind of got stuck in my head when you're like, yeah, some people, they need to consider between foreign or domestic. And I have a kind of funny, cute little story, I think. We went to New York when we lived in Virginia, and I remember we were on a subway, and it was early in the morning, so there weren't too many people there. But Mikey had, he sat down beside this lady, and she had her earbuds in. She was typical New York, don't bug me, I'm trying to get where I'm trying to get, don't bother me, kind of a thing, right? So he sits down there beside her, and he looks up at her. And he's like, hey, do you want to talk? And she's like, what? And she pulls her head headphones out and he goes, do you want to talk? And she's like, sure. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Because at first I was like, buddy, don't <laughs> bug her. Right. <laughs> and then he's like, what's your favorite roller coaster? And they started talking about roller coasters. And for a good, I don't know, five or 10 minutes while we're cruising on down, you know, the, the, in, in, in the subway, he's just struck up this conversation. So when I was thinking about like foreign and domestic, I'm like, oh, Italy would be great. Oh no, Michael would want to talk <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, people in Italy. You could do it. You could start teaching him little words here and there. You could start feeding him Italian foods. You could go to an Italian bakery in your area. There's so much that you could sort of start to introduce. There's a mom in my book who, who did exactly that for different countries just to introduce culture into their family's lives, different cultures. 
Oh, wow. So it's doable. And I do talk about whether a lot of people are like, yeah, international is possible, but don't do it first. Don't get on a seven-hour plane ride first. Oh, Start yeah. with a very short plane ride or do something like Wings with uh, Wings for Autism where you're actually sampling going through the terminal and everything to do with check-in and boarding way before your trip so you can have that frame of reference. Wings for Autism. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a program. There's a bunch of programs that are like that, and I list them in the book that let you sample. There are even airlines that you can call and say, hey, I'm going on a flight soon. I have a child with autism. Can we come down and see the airport? Can you run through different things with us? And I, I list them. There's all sorts of ways to introduce, as you've probably known and done yourself. Before you go to a hotel, you want to go to a friend's house or a, par a relative's house for the night. It's not costing you anything and sample what it's like. And so you'll know, do I need to bring my own sheets and towels next time? Do I need to bring my blankets next time? Do I need to bring a familiar lamp or different things that'll make the child feel like they're home? Do I need to bring the toiletries from home because they don't like the scent of different soaps? You know your child, you know what to bring, but you'll it'll really hit home when you do something like that. You try little by little. You, you go to a local zoo or a an aquarium and you label that as a tour. So you can start the child going on something like a tour. Even a trip to a garage sale can be, a, you know, a, a scavenger hunt. It's all the way you label it. And then you can, hey, we're going on a tour when you actually do go and say, remember when we did that back at home and you did such and such? And it becomes more familiar for the child and more predictable. Mm -hmm. So I guess you've got in the book that you talk about or you write about starting small, and it sounds like these yeah. are the things that you're referring to is just really yeah. how you can rephrase something to get yourself in sort of a travel mindset. Yeah. That is really cool. Make it familiar. And people don't realize what's in their own backyard. You know, if you want to start sampling restaurants, go to a restaurant locally for during like right after between lunch and dinner, maybe when it's really quiet. And introduce the child to that when there's going to be less of a wait. And I have a whole chapter on how to handle restaurants. And also the fact that when you're traveling, you probably want to have a hotel with a kitchenette. Or you want to stay in a vacation rental. And I give a whole checklist of how you're going to evaluate a, a, a vacation rental. Also, how you're going to evaluate a campsite. Hmm. I want to dig into that one here in just a second. Mm hmm yeah, so what mindset will yield the greatest success for a trip with those on the spectrum? Great question. Child-centric, as you probably know yourself. You mm -hmm. have to decide that the child is the most important part of this trip. Okay. You had your chance to travel when you were before children, and you'll have a chance to travel. No, we didn't. Maybe not. No, we well, didn't. a lot of people. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I spent most of my traveling before I had kids, thank God. <laughs> you'll have time to travel later when they're grown too. This mm -hmm. is their time. And if you build a trip around the child, it's going to be a lot easier. And that it's not only in the preparation, but a lot of children on the spectrum have specific prescribed interests that are, you're shaking your heads like, oh, yeah. they want to talk about it all the time. It yeah. sounds like yours might be roller coasters. And weather. <laughs> so, okay. So there you go. You There are museums that cater to those interests and there are activities that cater to those interests. And I have broken them down by state and city. So if you happen to be going even on a business trip to one of those cities and your kid loves mustard, there's a mustard museum. I try to pick a lot of obscure museums as well as a lot of common interests like trolley cars and trains and automobiles and uh, 
construction. There were like rocks. Yep, book a trip that includes a trip to a quarry. And I included information on that. I'm sure that there are many interests that I missed. And this is where you, the audience, can write to me and tell me what I should put in on my blog to follow up. All right. I'm trying to peel this back just a little bit. There's, I mean, you definitely have a background in the travel industry. What gives you the passion to to want to help, you know, kids on the spectrum? Well, parents with kids on the spectrum that want to travel, what got you started to even do this? I let, Let's just say that I had children that were anxious and inflexible. I don't really talk about my children because they're adults now, and it's not for me to talk about diagnoses or, or lack of same. But I saw that there was a need. I'm also a realtor, and as a realtor, everybody I ran into had a child on the spectrum. And, you know, I grew up traveling. My parents owned a big travel agency, as you said earlier, in, in Manhattan. And I worked from, for them for 10 years and then later another 10 years. In between, I was writing for travel magazines. And travel was in my life. And I write this in the preface that to have a child that did not travel easily, would, it was very difficult for me because I did not want to give up traveling. So we found ways to travel. And even though I didn't have the benefit of this book, I wish I had because I would have done things a lot differently. My children became easier as they got older. And actually, I feel now they adore travel, thank goodness, because mm-hmm. I think you learn about the world and you become a global citizen through travel. No doubt. No doubt. So that's what gave me the passion. Also, when you, if you're a writer and you see a book that hasn't been written, it's very nice to have no competition. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. Yeah. And mercenary me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, maybe, you know what, maybe we'll come out with our own book about, like, hot air balloon travel for children on the spectrum. Hey. We'll just really niche down, you know? That's great. I didn't even include it. I'm going to interview you for a backup because <laughs> I have not, I didn't include anything like that. I did include therapeutic sports such as adaptive skiing and scuba diving and golf which have been proven therapeutic so i do have information on that you know that's that actually is a good i don't know we've been thinking a good bit about mike uh mikey and his like our desire for him to be involved in sport as well because of the structure that's involved there but trying to find the right sport for him has been very much i have a background in brazilian jiu-jitsu and we've played golf together and you know i grew up playing basketball and things like this you know, he's got a pretty decent golf swing, but he's also really good at bowling. And we're thinking, are they individual sports for him? So when you bring up like adaptive environments, I was just immediately thinking about, oh, a golf trip, you know, and yeah. just making it a destination and being that same thing. So that's a that's another thing. I think I wasn't really thinking about travel yesterday or even this morning, but when hopefully it's starting to spawn some ideas for our audience here too, when they think of the uniqueness of their own kids. School's about to get out. Yeah, I was going to say. Summer's coming. We're going to have more time to travel with our kids. And this is one of my interests. I love to travel. So I'm kind of the one that that gets us out of the house and plans the excursions and all that kind of stuff. So then on that with her, Heather loves outdoors. What are some practical things that pop to your mind when it comes to being prepared to do a Utah National Park trip with your family? Well, there are national park passes that give discounts or freebies for those who are on the spectrum. So that's important. I've got information of that in the book. I have information on camping. I don't specifically talk about, you know, specific areas like Utah for camping, but I do talk about the fact that you may want to choose between an RV, a cabin, and a tent. 
the beautiful part of an RV is that it becomes claustrophobic. You can go and drive to a hotel <laughs> and True. break it up. But you don't realize when you say a camp trip, all the smells that are involved and all the sounds that are involved that might not work with your child. So I do include a checklist and things to consider there. And the parents I interviewed, a lot of them really loved the outdoors. They they talked about Alaska cruises and how that really worked for their child. Anything that got the child outside. There's also a group called Wilderness Inquiry, which has nature trips and outdoors trips for people of all abilities and group trips, which is sort of unusual for people on the spectrum to have group tours. The CATP is usually put together individual tours, but some of them do organize groups. There's more, it's more prevalent to have cruise groups, like Autism on the Seas, yes. group cruises mm -hmm. for people on the spectrum. So I, I discuss all that, but yeah, nature trips are, are very popular. That is really cool. Man, I had a couple of different questions really that spawned up, but the first thing that really, I'm starting to pick up on a pattern here. You've mentioned smells and luckily like Mikey's got an acute sense of smell, but he doesn't have anything where he's like, mm, I'm not going to go in there kind of a thing. So you've mentioned it a couple of times now. What are some tips around, I guess, just making smell in an unfamiliar area be less of a concern when you get there? You know, I have less information on that than the visual stimuli, like always bringing along sunglasses, especially at theme parks mm -hmm. and always bringing along noise-canceling headphones. I guess that with smells, you're just going to move out of the area. That's the <laughs> smell. <laughs> no one really spoke to me about that. I, I know that there were people who said, bring your own toiletries because they are, are used to that. Mm -hmm. I, I would imagine that if you, and you'd also bring a fan or make sure you have, um, turn the air conditioning on in the room if you can to to block out noises from the outside, like the hallway. Although if you rent a vacation rental, you're the only ones there. So a lot of times that's taken care of. But that's, you know, you, you got me. Oh, no, I wasn't trying to stump you. I just was like, I picked up on a pattern what here on smell? smell. And I'm like, that is so, so interesting because it's not something that we encounter. And I was immediately just kind of stuck on it there with, let's talk about that a little bit. So if you're in the audience and you're dealing with, um, you know, sensitivity or, you know, I don't know if it's anxiety. If you just, if you have a kiddo that is dealing with smell as one of these things that are an accommodation that you need to deal with, we'd love to hear about that. I'd love to actually interview yeah. you if you're listening and want to take part. I just thought of me too. <laughs> Write to me and let me know what you're doing because I'll put it on the blog that backs up the book. I would say that I suppose if you use a special scent at home, mm -hmm. like you're saying, an essential oil right. or, you know, if you have Febreze or whatever you use, that you might want to bring it on your trip with you and smell, spray it in the room. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. I just, I thought I'm like, oh, well, I've got a trip going to New Orleans here real soon. And I'm pretty sure there's some smells there that would offend people. So <laughs> whether they're on the spectrum or not, I was just like, yeah, you know what, actually, maybe I need to bring a candle or something. <laughs> so that's really cool. Well, I love, there, there's a question I've got for you because I think it's interesting that when anybody does something, I guess, adventurous, and usually I use this kind of in my work relationships and when I inquire and curious, but I like it in this context too, because you went about writing a book. Not many people do that, but I'm sure some things surprised you or you realized some stuff about that. What were those, you know, interesting surprises that, or were there any interesting surprises? Yeah. Number one interesting surprise was that the tips that you use for special needs children can help 
travel for any child, even neurodiverse and the, I mean, neurotypical, because <clears throat> when you take any child out of their comfort zone, they get anxious and inflexible, which is why I named the title of the book the way I did. It really, any, anything you can anything you can do to prepare the child in advance, whether it's showing them videos of your destination or even the rides you're going to take at the amusement park, the hotel, anything that you can prepare them with will help. Reading from their, about their favorite characters from books that, you know, that are out there for kids can help. Really, people don't think about how do I prepare the child? What toys are they going to miss when we travel? Should we ship them ahead? What um, how are they going to react to different uh, stimuli? You know, if you have a child who's never been on sand and you're going to the beach, you may want to go to a craft store and get a bag <laughs> of sand and put it on some tarp at home and have them walk on it. Hmm. If you if you live in, say, Florida and you're going to Alaska, you might want to have your child start wearing clothes in layers because they may have never done that before. And this is not the time to start to try it on an expensive vacation. So little things like that, tips that I got like that were great, and I didn't expect them. I mean, I don't know if you know who Tony Atwood is, but he's pretty famous in the autism world as a leading lecturer and professor. And he said, and this is years back, he said, you know, sometimes the hotel room is too crazy for them. Let them sleep in the closet if they want. You know, put their bedding in the closet so they have a private place. And that's especially good when you have a like a small hotel room and not a suite or like one of the you know, uh, two rooms or whatever. You know, you want the child to have their own place where they can decompress. And I always thought that was an amazing suggestion. So what, what I'm going to key in on what you said there was that the things you learned were they're transferable to neurotypical children as well. And yep. I think there's a lot of like, we've got three kids and I would say that even Grace and Joy exhibit certain characteristics that you would call on the spectrum anyway, although they're not anywhere near as, as severe as Mikey. When you started off at the beginning, you know, all kids are unique and we certainly have had to learn that as well. And just really the molding of, um, well, basically, I guess the punchline is everything that we've had to do that has been a part of travel or f part of our fun has been shaped specifically with those three mentalities and minds and personalities in mind. So we're just lucky that they all three at least like roller coasters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were child centric, which is probably mm -hmm. why your travel worked and why they grew to like travel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They miss the bus right now. So the big RV, they actually are itching to get back in there and get out and have some more adventures. So that's really cool. <laughs> awesome. One of my favorite things to do with them is to go to children's museums. When we go visit a, a different city, is I'll look for children's museums, aquariums. And things like that. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I, I list how to find those. I list many of them that are autism friendly. And I also list uh, a place where you can find hundreds more that I did not list because mm -hmm. I had limited space. <laughs> Even right. 344 pages, I had limited space. Right. That's, that's awesome. And I like what you said about preparing the child ah. and predictability ah. because yeah. Mikey, ah. that's totally ah. Mikey. If ah. <laughs> I take him somewhere, Sorry, the dog's barking. That's all right. <laughs> if, if, um, if I take him somewhere, he likes to know what to expect. Even yes. if it's a child-centric place, like he wants to know, like, if I take him somewhere that's new that he's never been to before, it takes him a while to, to feel comfortable being at that place because 
he's overwhelmed with all of the unknown. And there was I, there was this one time when we took him to the Georgia Aquarium. You walk in and the whole room, the whole aquarium is blue. From the moment you walk yeah. in, the whole room is blue and there's like lights that make it look like you're underwater and there's interesting sounds. And he walked around in there with his hands over his ears and looking around and he was so uncomfortable. But I was, you know, I was there with him and like three other kids and we had to get right to the dolphin show because that was on the itinerary. And I was just dragging him along with me. Come on, we got to get to that dolphin show. And we sat down to the dolphin show and I let him buy this like light up toy and I thought he'd be all excited. And it's it was a 30 minutes into the dolphin show before he finally realized, okay, we're going to have fun today. And he was just uncomfortable, you know, moaning, crying, and just How uncomfortable. And it was, this How was, long ago was that? This was when Mikey was about five years old. So it was so six, six years, years ago. Because interestingly enough that you mentioned the Georgia Aquarium mm -hmm. is that now they're a certified autism center. Okay. So they've had training in how to handle anything, the needs of, of anyone on the spectrum. So yeah. I, I wonder if you go back, if uh -huh. you would have the same, you may not have the same, the same experience. Right. Sorry, I was losing my words there. <laughs> no, that's okay. But it just brought me back to the whole preparation aspect, just preparing him for what to expect. Because that was one of the aha moments I had when we left the Georgia Aquarium is I was like, I'm bringing him to an aquarium where he's supposed to have fun. Like, what did I do wrong? And it wasn't about that. It was that it was there was so much stimulation and he didn't know what to expect. So then from from then on out, like when we would go to like a new amusement park, we would go on the website and we would look at pictures. We would download the app on my phone and you know, look at all that kind of stuff. If they had a map, yeah. it was helpful too, because we mm -hmm. could kind of put ourselves in it or we'd get YouTube videos for walkthrough tours and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. yeah, I remember, you know what, what really keyed us into that was watching another YouTuber that was talking about how they got into roller coasters. And then we were tuned into the like, oh yeah, you know what, watching roller coasters gets them in the mindset of what to expect. Yeah. And yeah. So that was really, that was really helpful. So I think that's a tip that I think we've shared before is like, if there's any way that you can get them to pre-experience, it's super duper helpful. And that's what's so wonderful about technology now. Not only do you have the the videos that you can bring along with you to keep them busy during airline flights and bus trips and everything else, but you can preview everything for them. Mm -hmm. I think it's yeah. great. I think that's great. What are some suggestions for destinations for those kids that are anxious and flexible, like what would you recommend? I have so many. Uh, there's entire cities that are dedicated to being uh, certified autism centers, if you can believe it. Mesa, oh, wow. Arizona. Mesa is, city. really? Mesa is. Uh, Surfside City and Myrtle Beach in South Carolina, and also Visalia, California. These are all cities that the tourist board has gone out of their way to get as many suppliers as possible oh wow so there's that but also there are resorts i list many of them but for example the beaches resorts are advanced certified autism centers they've gone above and beyond to get trained that is a place that you might look into a lot of the theme parks like sesame place the legoland i believe yep. are either autism friendly or certified and um what I also list is cities like Philadelphia, which themselves are not autism centers. They have so many attractions that are autism friendly or certified that 
if you can find a hotel that'll work for you or a vacation rental, you could really spend your days doing activities that will have the sensory, the places to decompress, the yep. lower lights, mm-hmm. the, the, the special amenities that people on the spectrum need. Well, I'm about to, we need to end this so I can get on the beach's website so I can start booking a spot for us to go <laughs> right, to because yeah. that sounds fantastic. But <laughs> it is. You know, so before we go, how do, how can our listeners get the book? The book is available on all major retailers. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, all the indie bookstores. If you Google traveling different and my name, Dawn M. Barkley, you'll find all those places. It's also available on the Roman and Littlefield website. And I have a page on my website, which is travelingdifferent.com, 1L for traveling. Got it. Travelingdifferent.com, which shows you a lot of the places where you can order it, as well as uh, a section that will update the book based on new information. Oh, that's awesome. That is Yeah, because things change all the Mm -hmm. time, which left me crazy because I like to be as precise as possible. And suddenly everything was changing. (laughs) (laughs) How will people know? Well, they have to have a blog. Right. So, yeah. So... That's how they can do it. And if they would like to write to me and tell me their experiences or anything that they've found that's different or a new place that's certified that I left out, or just let me know that I helped them, opened up the world for them a little, that would be wonderful. I'd love to hear from them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. I don't want to, I don't want to add more on top of this. I'm excited. Um, I can tell Heather's excited. I'm pretty sure that all the listeners are excited right now and want to just kind of get into it. So I just want to thank you for your time today, Don. I think this is an awesome resource. It would have definitely been something that we would have jumped onto probably years ago. If uh, you're right, if it were available, it would have been something we would have jumped onto. Yeah. I just want to add that the book comes out August 15th, but it is available for pre-order both in the hardcover and the audiobook versions. The ebook won't be out until the 15th of August, but the other versions you can pre-order now. Outstanding. And also ask your local library to carry it. Please. Great idea. Great idea. Well, cool. Well, thank you very much. We enjoyed this time. Um, I'm glad we were able to both get our dogs somehow involved. (laughs) And (laughs) it was so cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate being here. Thank you, Don. Thank you.